Welcome to the Weekly Reboot, your Friday debrief of things we've heard and seen coming from the Agile community here in Melbourne and beyond. This is our first episode. Have a listen and hopefully you'll get something interesting to read or share. Off we go. Well, happy end of week. Yeah, what a week that was. What are some things that you've heard? What did that make you think? I've heard positive things about having dogs in your office. Ah, yes. Well, that is, of course, a goal of Reboot Co, (laughs) is to have an office big enough so that we can have dogs. Exactly, same mission statement. And Betsy joins us this week. This week, I see that there's 10th anniversary of the original Scrum. Was it the Scrum Meetup or was it the Agile? Reflecting on 10 years is something that they'll be doing at a 10 year anniversary for the Agile Meetup in Melbourne, the Melbourne Agile and Scrum User Group. Luckily enough, I've been asked to speak for on my reflections the last 10 years, and there's a whole bunch of us. In fact, it's I'm Martin going to be joined Kearns. by Martin Kearns, Craig Brown, Sue Hogg, Neil Killick, Ed O'Shaughnessy, Peter Lamb, Lani Beer, Venki Krishnamurthy, Rima Dak, Ed Wong, and wonderful Kim Balstrain, who's very good at Kinevan and complex thinking. And she's going to be talking a bit about what she believes the future will hold. So that's going to be a great event. It's on at the 10th of November. One of the things I saw on Twitter was Ron Jeffries, who's one of the original signatories of the manifesto. One of the three founders of XP, along with Kent Beck and Ward Cunningham. And he was an XP coach on the, the Three C's project, the Chrysler Comprehensive Compensation System Project, which was where XP was invented. So there you go. But his tweet was along the lines of, what good is all this hate about how evil the other Agile folks are, even if they are evil, which I doubt. What good is the shouting, whining and complaining? Tell me something I can use. Well, it's all a conspiracy um, for Twitter, isn't it? Twitter and all the social medias, it's how they, uh, how they grow. Yeah, there is. <laughs> through, uh, through promoting hatred and, and horrible things. There is definitely, I think, a, a bit of an angry branch of... Um, agilists out there maybe they're not necessarily people but they're just seem to be an angry thread but I, I think what's interesting to me is and quick plug in for Steve Denning's age of agile which I keep writing as agile of agile for some reason every time I type it but he has three really strong themes in the book and I haven't finished the book but you know you boil it down to a few things and it's quite easy to remember which is law of the small team law of the customer and law of the network and law of the network is a fluid, just... transparent network of players that are collaborating toward a common goal of delighting customers. Indeed. We haven't done this well in spreading Agile knowledge. I think one of the great things is about the Agile community is that it's open source, which has meant mm. that no one has owned Agile, the umbrella term, and that has enabled it to grow. But one of the things I don't think that we've done successfully is um, as a community really being clear about our messages and and so there's a lot of room for interpretation and misunderstanding so some of the things i'm thinking about why did it take so long tony you and i are 20 years into this game um and it's only now that things are coming back (laughs) are starting to become widespread and mainstream i think um largely due to corporates being very slow on the uptake another thing i wanted to talk about was roadmaps and road mapping practice because it keeps coming up again and again, and we keep sharing um, a couple of links in the Slack channels of the clients where we're working. One of them, which is not a new link, comes up for me again and again, um, and has been a real winner. And most recently on a client, we've implemented almost exactly that style of roadmap. In their program wall? Yeah, for their program wall. 
and it has actually taken off and worked quite successfully. A few things that made me reflect on, one was um, we tried first with a just put some information on a card and put it on the wall type approach. Here, I'll write one for you, copy this format. That didn't really work as well as then templating up quite a prescriptive card, which I notice you've picked up some from a client as well, someone else's prescriptive card. And I think there is something to be said for prescribing what goes onto a card for a program wall. What do you think? Yes, so so having some uh, either pre-printed or cards that have a bit of a template to them are quite useful help promote some rigor in the process. Um, a lot of people think that, think that they, um, they have a good idea and they think their idea is the best idea so they should progress with that idea or that project. So you have sponsors who, who follow projects, uh, who drive projects forward, and, but they don't put the rigor around, you know, is this actually the right thing to be working on? Um, does it actually solve the problem? Um, have we broken it into small enough pieces that, that can add value quickly and, and um, not only deliver value to customers quickly, but also allow you to test if that idea is a valid one? Yeah. I think it's actually a bit more simple than that too. Yes, and Tony. Yes, and no, um, no buts here. It, it was almost like people didn't understand that it's actually important to have a readable card, colour-coded, so instantly you can see, okay, well, that's mm -hmm. red. That one is about reducing some tech debt that we have in the system. For me, it's like having this bit of rich information that's, you know, the title's always in the same place, you always know where the blocker sticker goes. You mm. always know which goal it's trying to achieve. Just gives you that quicker bit of understanding when you're standing at a wall and trying to understand that piece of work. Yeah, there's, I can't think of who it was, but someone said you should be able to comprehend a wall from however many metres away. Yeah. I can't think of what it was now. We don't necessarily appreciate that then that wall is there. Every time we're looking at it, we can see just through the number of red cards that are up there, how, mm. many, how many bits of work are related back to that goal. And even if we're not standing at the wall, visually digesting it every day, every time you glance up, there's a little reminder of that, which is why visualization I think is so powerful. Yeah, yeah even just walking past, mm. um, you get a, a fair sense of, of what position you're in. The link to that road mapping article is from digital.gov.uk. Uh, it's quite a fun article yes. to read and you know i don't think it's necessarily what mature adult organizations should be doing in terms of how they're representing their roadmaps or their programs on walls i don't think it's you know like the bleeding edge but i think it's a really great place to start for people who don't have anything on their walls at all agile in real life tony so mm. this is when the stuff that us Agile nerds have been doing for the last 20 years starts appearing in funny places. I want to tell you two funny things. First of all, I was at my in-laws. They started talking about Atlassian. And so they were saying, have you heard about this company, Atlassian? They build a product. Funnily enough, Atlassian came up when I was talking to Wayne Allen as well. He reminded me, now I don't know if this is true, um, that Atlassian broke through because they were the first company to offer a freemium model where mm. they said any team can use our product for free, team of up to five people. Do you remember that? And that was at a time when yeah. the big players, the IBMs, the Microsoft dominated with license plans that yep. would span a year 
and would be millions and millions of dollars and no small software vendor could crack into that market because it was such a big you know sales mm. cycle to get people to depart with millions of dollars and I just thought wow were they the first one do you think ever and did that result in everyone coming up with subscription models I and maybe know. that was the genius behind it last year not sure I mean they started as a bug tracking until it wasn't yeah, back in the, why things are still right at the start yeah there's still everything's an issue yeah yes um it's sorry just circling back onto another point that we talked about earlier um which was um agile hatred in, mm. in social media streams um jira is another one that gets caned all the time i know um for being not fit for purpose and you know it's not the great tool that why does everyone use it um and it's surprising how many comments come out about it um, as not being not being great, but there's some good articles um, or good good comments that you see come through saying, well, it's a tool, it's just a tool. Don't don't try and expect it to be everything in the world. Mm. It's the same as as Rally is a tool. It doesn't do everything in the world either. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no point bagging it because it doesn't meet your individual needs. I mean, that also makes me think of a conversation we had earlier this week, which I don't think you saw at a client, which was all about hey, here are some road mapping tools. Circling mm. back to roadmaps, right? Um, and I have not had great success with road mapping tools, I have to say. So we talked about a, a visual kind of program roadmap on a wall, which I've seen being very, very successful. But every time I've signed up for or, or downloaded a road mapping tool, and I did several of these when I was working at Invato, they all did not cut through a um, couple of reasons, people do not want to log into a tool to have a look at a roadmap. They tend not to do it. Roadmaps, and I'm talking about just like a, here is what we want to do in the next year or two. Um, they tend to be very static, slow moving things. So they, they don't have that high rate of change. No, exactly. Um, and I think that's why some physical program walls are far more effective than digital ones. Would agree. Um, Another fun bit of Agile in real life was I went to the gym and my personal trainer um, happens to be training someone as well who works at ANZ. And my trainer said to me, apparently they do all their meetings standing up now. <laughs> and um, That's cool. I, I just thought, this is so bizarre. This is like all my worlds colliding. And she said, isn't that what you do? And I said, yeah, that's kind of part of it. And I just thought, well, we've come a long way when that stuff starts coming back to you. Because I don't know about you, but I don't, it's not the kind of stuff I talk about amongst friends and family. As no. Adrian Fidelani always says, you know, when his family doesn't understand at all what he, do, what he does, when he used to describe agility and um, how that impacts his life. So a couple of funny agile in real life things there. If you have any funny agile in real life stories, um, get in touch. We'd love to hear about them. On the subject of books, yes, there's a couple of new books um, out. Well, actually, one of them's new. Um, so there was a book from a few years ago called Talking to Humans. This is by um, Gift Constable. And he's just released a new one called Testing with Humans. How to use experiments to drive faster, more informed decision-making. Just a, a, a shout out there. Haven't read it yet. I'm sure it's great. One, one of the things I was going to say about um, Stephen Denning's Age of Agile, which has been pleasantly surprising, and I know that Steve Denning was part of the SD Corporation, I think they were called, where they went around and they actually did studies and research at a whole bunch of different companies that were mm -hmm. using agility. So his work is very well researched, very kind of story-based. But he has some lovely stories about Microsoft and um, 
you know, their approach to using networks, which is, you know, they have a hierarchical organisation, but somehow they have this great culture where ideas are free, teams are empowered and, and the best stuff comes out. So that really was quite not revelationary for me, but I found myself having warm feelings about Microsoft again. So shout out to Justin Shagham, someone we know very well that works at Microsoft, who's a great guy. I always bag out Microsoft. Despite the fact that they always put too many features into their software, I have to admit that the stories that came out at Microsoft were quite good and fun. Hey, just on the Twitters, and I've just seen one of our um, friends <laughs> tweet out something quite funny. This is Neil Killick. So many companies have developers with little or no grasp of modern quality practices or the mindset to use them and make no attempt to correct that situation. No matter, they're all building the wrong thing anyway. Morning, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Positive start to the day. Oh, yeah. It's, it's kind of funny and fun. Um, actually, on that, um, there was a tweet I saw from... Um, John Cuttlefish, John yeah. Cutler. You're a big fan of his, aren't you? Um, yeah, he's, he's awesome. But he, he talked about uh, these three people must be ten times engineers to deliver all of that stuff. It's showing the power of teams, how, how a team of three can actually deliver, deliver amazing amounts and amazing value. But those people don't necessarily have to be, you know, the unicorns or these incredible, um, you know, ten times the normal person to achieve that result. Um, I would totally agree. In fact, that was a real eye-opener for me um, pretty early on in my career, maybe about 10 or 11 years ago, this could make it into my 10-minute talk, which was, you know, I had worked at ThoughtWorks with these, ThoughtWorks hired in the top 10, 2% of people, they used to proudly say, um, you know, and really well known for being big brains, deep thinkers, they were really obsessed with great engineering practice, which was awesome to be around. And then when I first was a uh, uh, permanent inside an organization and wanting to create a whole bunch of agile teams I really wondered is this going to work with these people maybe it only works when you have a team of thought workers mm. um, and so I actually kind of did a bit of soul searching was I doing the responsible thing by bringing in these practices into an organization where maybe they weren't the top two percent they were great people no doubt about it and lo and behold it does work everywhere mm. so one that told me that yeah you don't have to be on paper the top two percent of performers in your organization or in the world in order to get really great results from a team it works everywhere and moreover you know as, as all of the studies are now showing it's more important to have diverse teams heaps of trust you know great collaboration practices and you know small feedback loops probably more important than than scoring in the top two percent of iq Mm, yeah, and engagement and empowerment of the, the teams and probably some other really good things. If you've got engaged people, they'll work very effectively together and, and toward, a, you know, toward a result. Oh, uh, going back on, sorry, onto the, um, on JIRA and... Mm. Um, Did I or, not let you finish or in that? Fact, <laughs> no, there was another, another thought I had just after we finished talking about it, which was regardless of of the system whether you're using jira or trello or rally or whatever to to manage work um they're never going to meet all of your needs um unless you have really simple needs um and so the the solution that i normally come back to on those things is well build it yourself you know if systems are completely not hitting the mark and not doing what you want um or it's so much overhead and pain to actually make them um, work for you, then build your own. Own it yourself. Yeah.
Okay, here's one more. Just a little thing before we close out is um, retros. I'm becoming more and more of a fan of more frequent retros, but actually doing retros weekly um, seems to have a lot more effect. Mm. Uh, You tend to tackle less. So in other words, you're breaking things down to smaller pieces, Mm. um, but it keeps that focus on continual improvement. Um, a lot better. Yeah. Hey, here's an idea for a little hack or a tip. At Invato, the coaches and I used to have a daily check-in. So every day there was an alert in Slack, a little Slack bot that said, good thing that happened, challenge that you might be having and something else you want to share. So basically just real simple three questions um, posted into Slack every day. It was a great little prompter for us to reflect daily. Um, I think the the single most important thing is having a process to improve your process. Famous words, thanks to Adrian Fidelani. But the, you don't want continuous improvement to be a second-class citizen to delivery. <laughs> the thing I would love to leave teams with this week is uh, appreciation. So here's a chance at the end of the week. You've worked hard. You achieved some goals. Maybe you didn't achieve as much as you thought you would and you're going to have to create some energy to tackle that next week. So... Make sure you stop, appreciate the team, appreciate each other, what you have got achieved, really kind of bank that, digest it, and go into next week revved up, energised, and ready to to hit those goals again. Yeah, have a break. Betsy, I just have to get this dog outside. Outside might have been a better idea before we started recording. Thanks for joining us for the weekly reboot. We'll be back next Friday in your ears with more tweets, opinions and links we've been hearing from around the community. Please get in touch if you hear or see something you'd like to share on the weekly reboot and let us know if you want us to call you for a funny phone call. Hello. Hi, how are you? All right, how are you? Good. Um... This is FaceTime audio. Yeah, is it? Um, can you see my face? No, it says FaceTime audio. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I'm calling you You're doing a test. Sort of. Mm Mm-hmm. How was your day? Okay. How how was your day? My day was good. You sent me a podcast episode about habits. Are you interviewing me by any chance? (laughs) Um, Yeah, you sent me a podcast about habits. Yes, I did. And uh, thank you for that. You're most welcome. And what did you like about it? It's quick and it's about the brain. Yeah, I liked it too. So thanks for that. Um, you're in the cab? I am, yes. How was your flight? <laughs> it was delightful. That's good. I got to eat before going and it made my tummy happy also. That's good because there's no food here. Good. Um, All right, I'll say bye and see you when you get home. Excellent. Thanks for calling. Thank you for... It's good doing business with you. (laughs) You're our first funny phone call, so thanks for joining in. Okay. Have fun. Bye. Bye. And that podcast was called Quick Brain Memory Improvement. That and all the links and references we've mentioned today you can find in the show notes and the email subscribe to the weekly reboot hit subscribe in your podcast platform or get it delivered to your inbox weekly by dropping us a line at rebootme at rebootco.com.au and we'll look forward to hearing from you there 
second from all of us. We hope you have yourself a wonderful weekend.